stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo again to talk about buying stocks at the highs. So the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ have both again busted out to all-time highs. Yes, we're back there again. And that means because the big indexes are busting out that some of the components, the stocks, have to be doing the same. And there are a couple FANG stocks busting out to new highs, including Facebook, which is ticker FB, and Alphabet, G-O-O-G-L. Those two have been the hottest among the FANGs this year, and both are following the lead of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, or you can say leading those two indexes by also busting out. But other large caps are also back to their highs, including some of the hot tech names like NVIDIA, ticker NVDA. Yeah, that one is back up there. So I've been getting questions from people wondering if they should still buy here, like either the indexes or individual stocks, including these ones busting out. Should you be buying at the highs or is it too late? Should you wait for the pullback? But what if one doesn't come? What should you do? Okay, so my first advice is always the same whenever I do one of these podcasts, and that is what is your investing goal for this money? What is the purpose for this money? What is your time horizon for this investment? And overall arching question, what is your investment plan or strategy? You should have one. Everyone should have one. But if you have one, that will alleviate some of your angst, I think, with uh, you know your issues with buying at the tops or at the highs or when it's too hot to buy, right? Because if you have a plan, you just basically follow the plan. That's what makes the plan good. And so that's why I really recommend every investor has some kind of plan because uh, that'll keep you, you know, with your goal in mind. So everybody will have a different goal. You might be looking at investing for one to three years, or maybe it's five years, or maybe it's 10 years or more, or maybe you have real big ambitions and you're looking at 30, 40, or even 50 years out for this money. Um, I applaud you if that's what you're doing, Uh, but everybody's gonna be different. So keep that in mind as well, that your answer to those questions about even just time horizon could determine whether or not you should be buying here as the stock indexes are busting out again. So in 2018, I inherited some money from my grandmother when she died. So I wanted to invest it and I had a time horizon of 10 years or more. So at the time, I wasn't looking to buy any individual stocks with this money. Uh, So I decided to buy some indexes using, you know, the cheap, low-cost ETFs. And um, I thought that would be a good way to, you know, invest this money and keep it for this longer time horizon I had. So one of the ETFs I bought was the basic Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, the VOO, as it's known, V as in Victor, OO. It has low expense ratio, it's just 0.03%, 
And so that's what makes it good if you're a long-term investor and you're going to be holding it numerous years or a decade or more because it has those low expenses. And this just gives me the basic stock market index. So I put this money into the VOO in January of 2018. I don't remember the exact date and I was a little too lazy to go look in my account because I still do own the VOO and this money is still in there. But we'll just say for the sake of this podcast that it was January 2nd. So that was the first trading day of the year in January of 2018. So in 2017, the S&P 500 was up 18.7%. And that's without the dividends. I think it was like 21% if you include the dividends. And it was hitting new highs heading into 2018. So things were pretty hot. We had just gotten the corporate tax cuts. Stock market loved that. Earnings were on the rise because of the tax cuts and stock market liked that. So everything was go, go, go there in 2017. And it was a great year if you were just in the S&P 500. So basically buying in January of 2018 meant I was buying at the top, just like today. And what did the S&P 500 then decide to do? Well, it wasn't good in 2018. Uh, Shares kind of meandered there. Um, The index, you know, tried to rally, then finished basically in a weak note. And it was down for the year, down 6.59%. And that's without the dividends. So after that great year in 2017, it did finish down in 2018. So my investment was going nowhere and actually down since I put it in. But patience is the name of the game. And I did have this longer 10 plus year time horizon. So I just kept it in. Now, was I you know, pleased that I bought at the top and then it went nowhere for over a year? No but I did get the dividend that it was paying out that year and I reinvested that. And yes, I know that I had this longer time horizon. So I would just, you know, had to be patient and wait it out. So in 2019, the S and P 500 started to rally again and hit new highs again in 2019, adding 30.4%. And then in 2020, the pandemic year last year with the crazy sell-off and then the huge recovery, it actually finished up 15.76% on the year at the end. And since I was just owning it and I didn't do anything except keep it in there, that was my ending on the VOO around almost 16% in 2020. So I got lucky that the bull market continued right after I bought in in 2018. And again, my time horizon was 10 plus years. So I was able to ride out any, you know, downdraft there in 2017. So my point with the story is that none of us really know what the future brings. And you can't always time it. I I got this extra cash as an inheritance. I decided I wanted to invest it. My time uh, horizon was long, but I looked around. Yeah, stocks were at an all-time high, but I felt that it was still a good buying opportunity to buy the major indexes. So I did, and it has worked out okay for me so far. But what about buying individual stocks? Now, I just decided not to do that in 2018. 
because the winners of the past 10, 20, or 30 years may not keep being the winners, right? Or maybe they will. None of us know. I My Magic 8-Ball does not tell me whether or not uh, Amazon will continue to be the big winner it has been over the last 30 years. And there's no way of knowing if you'll get, say, a Union Pacific type return, ticker UNP, or you're going to get a GE, ticker GE. So I looked up these stocks over the last five years. So UNP, which is a basic major railroad, that's all it is, it was up 152% over the last five years. And that compares to the S&P 500, which has also had a good run, up 105% during that time period. So it has beat the S&P 500. GE, as we know, has struggled the last several years, not even uh, you know pandemic related, it was already struggling before the pandemic. And those shares are actually down over the five years still, down 53.5%. Um, I took a look at a couple other hot, bigger tech type names. So I mentioned NVIDIA breaking out to new highs earlier in the podcast. And NVIDIA, ticker NVDA, is up 1,422% in the last five years. <laughs> That's not too shabby. Micron, ticker MU, also in the semis, is up 573% over the last five years. So I'm just throwing out some of these names to show that you don't know um, when you're buying the individual stocks, what are going to be the big winners um, five years, 10 years, 20 years out. Things happen at companies. Uh, businesses change. Technology changes. You don't always know. So my advice, again, if you're buying individual stocks to own for a number of years, be diverse. Now, we've talked about how four to five stocks could be diverse in some portfolios, but really the experts recommend 10, 10 to 20 gives you some level of diversity. But some have argued um, you could do it with four to five um, that's pretty concentrated, but, um, you know, you do get a level of diversity with four to five, but really you should be aiming for closer to 10 to get diversity. Then look at valuations. I love growth stocks too. As I've said, I own Facebook and Alphabet, but eventually the street may not pay as much for those earnings when the growth slows. Now, fortunately for Facebook and Alphabet, the growth hasn't really slowed. I am amazed at the um, double digit revenue and earnings growth that Alphabet still is doing over 20 years later. So that's unusual, um, but the street is willing to pay a little bit more for the earnings and revenue growth and Alphabet is still only trading at about 26 times its forward earnings here. So not really at the nosebleed levels as some of the other big growth stocks are. Um, also, you know, I didn't buy some of these stocks uh, until way later in the cycle. So that goes to the question I always get about buying at the highs on the individual holdings as well. I think I probably bought Alphabet on, on some kind of high 
uh, because I've only owned it, I want to say three years. I would have to go back to look. I don't recall exactly when I bought it, but it wasn't that long ago. It was pre-pandemic, so I, I have that going for me. I know it was at least 2019, but maybe 2018. So um, I bought it quite late in the cycle in the game as well when the company had been around, you know, over 20 years. So that's not an issue when you're deciding whether or not to buy on the highs or, you know, for your buying uh, possibilities. You're buying based on fundamentals, the company's business model, its earnings growth, its revenue growth, these kinds of things. I also get questions on should you buy the big caps or the small or the mid caps if you are going to hold for a while. And that depends on your strategy and your goals. So small cap value is one of the best historical performers of all the asset classes, but not in the last five years. Although here in 2021, it has reversed course and has been an outperformer here in 2021, but it has not put together its historical um, you know, outperformance of several years in a row here in quite some time. You'd have to go back a couple decades, really, to see the, that. Probably after the dot-com bust is the last time it did it. So um, you know, it all depends on your strategy and your goals. But again, be diverse. I'm a big fan of the diversity, that you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket. And that means not all your eggs in the big caps. You should have some mids and some smalls in there too in your plan. So also, you might find yourself paralyzed with doubt about whether you should buy here. That's that's how I felt in 2018. Especially if you're getting a, a chunk of money in some way, whether or not it's a bonus, um, you know, stimulus money, um, inheritance of some sort, you win a lottery, uh, I don't know, whatever way you, you manage to get, you know, some nice little chunk of change suddenly, just having that come to you all at once can leave you paralyzed and you're unsure when you should, you know, invest it and then how you should. So my uh, key thing for that, for paralyzed people, <laughs> is to try the dollar cost average. Try putting some of the money in over the next few months, like you would in your 401k. Most of us don't get paralyzed when we're investing into our 401k, right? We're not even asking like, hey, is my 401k buying at the highs on the S&P 500 right here? Because it is. That's how it's designed. That's the strategy and the plan in the 401k. So we basically just let that ride for whatever reason, um, because that's just how that plan is structured. So nothing wrong with dollar cost averaging and kind of creating your own mini 401k um, and, you know, setting it up so that you're putting in a portion of the money, you know, say 25% each month for four months, and then you're fully deployed in. And then, you know, that takes away some of the paralyzation <laughs> that can happen. Um, because again, when I got that inheritance, I was a bit paralyzed for a little while. Too many choices, right? Too many things. What should I put this in? Oh, the stock market's at highs. Maybe I should wait. Um, should I wait for that pullback? Oh, you know, you're just unsure about everything when you when you get that. So um, keep that in mind. It happens to everybody, but there is a way to overcome it. And 
uh, dollar cost averaging can be your friend to overcome that kind of paralyzing thing that comes with, you know, just getting one bigger chunk of money. And um, so still be looking around, look at the stocks that are on your wish list here. Um, some may be near their highs, but we did just have a weakness in the growth stocks and the tech stocks. A lot of them have rallied off their lows, but they're not back at their highs. So you're buying stocks, if you're buying individual stocks, because you believe in that company. Buy great companies. Go look on Zacks.com at the Zacks number one ranks. Uh, those are companies where the earnings estimates are on the rise. So that can give you at least a start of finding companies where maybe something good is going on there as those earnings are on the increase. So um, again, look at the, the questions that you have and look at your strategy, because if you put that plan in place, I think you will answer your own questions. So let's ask that question that I asked at the beginning of this podcast. Should you buy at the highs? So my answer would be yes, depending on your strategy and your time horizon. The longer the time horizon that you have, the better your options because um, you can ride out, as I did in 2018, you know, some volatility or a down period of time, and then you can hold on and just wait for the rebound. So the S&P 500 last broke out to new highs in 2013, and it has never looked back. We've had new highs virtually every year since then. And not even in the pandemic year um, did it hold back the S&P 500 here. Classic bull market, secular bull market behavior in stocks right now. So if you were scared of the highs and you were scared back in 2013 or 2014, or 2015, or on and on every year, if you were scared of buying at the highs, you would still be on the sidelines. That's the paralyzing thing of, you know, buying at the highs. So again, remember, dollar cost averaging can be your friends and, you know, deploy that method if you feel like you're paralyzed here as stocks break out again. Look for great companies at attractive valuations, leading in their industries, and um, you know, know what's going on at those companies. Do your research and then you know, deploy when you think or if you think that there's still an attractive valuation there. So keep all those things in mind. Um, as you're out there navigating this market that is, yes, back to those highs. There are still value stocks out there if you're interested in some of those. And there are still growth stocks that are not yet back to their highs, including a lot of the Kathy Wood stocks in her ARC um, ETFs. A lot of those have rallied off their lows but are not yet back to all-time highs. So take a look around and buy the business, not the chart. Okay, let me recap some of the tickers I talked about on this week's episode. Um, I talked about the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF. It's just the basic one out there. And I own it in my own personal portfolio. It's V as in Victor, O-O. Then there's a couple of the fangs breaking out, but a bunch of them are not. So keep that in mind if you're looking at these big cap companies. But the ones breaking out are Facebook, ticker FB, 
and Alphabet, G-O-O-G-L, which I also own, both of those. Um, then I talked about a couple of these other stocks that we looked at over the five-year time period. So there was Union Pacific, UNP, is the big railroad. NVIDIA, also busting out to new highs. Unfortunately, I don't own that one, and I do kick myself still. Um, it was in the insider trader not that long ago. Some insiders were buying there, but we did have to jump out of it as that's a short-term holds type portfolio. But if you held on, you're back to those highs now. NVIDIA, NVDA, Micron, I own in the value investor portfolio. Again, this is the second time we bought it. Uh, Micron, not back to its all-time highs. It's been a little weak here recently. So Micron is not back to its highs, ticker MU. And then there's GE, which is definitely not back to its highs, ticker GE for General Electric. And it's still, um, it's off the lows, but still, you know, not anywhere near those five-year highs, at least if you are a long-term investor. So again, that ticker is GE. And as always, I'm looking at everything going on in the stock market every week here on the Market Edge. And I promise I will have some guests on the show coming up soon. So you want to be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we're everywhere. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You can get us on SoundCloud. We're on Amazon Music now. I'm happy to report. But get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.